we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Good afternoon. Um, I'm Dr. Amy Thompson, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Covenant Children's Hospital in Lubbock, Texas. And I'm so grateful to be back again with you guys um, this week to talk about some more um, COVID things. So first of all, I have to just read a bit of a disclaimer. So um, as a reminder, the information provided during this event is for informational purposes only. And if you have questions around the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit our website at providence.org for medical updates. And this event does not create a a doctor-patient relationship, and any questions or medical advice discussed should not be considered guidance on what you should do. For any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or healthcare professional. So thank you guys for joining us today. It is my pleasure um, today to introduce to you Dr. David LaRue, and he is the Executive Medical Director for Women's Services at St. Joseph Health. And so Dr. LaRue, thank you so much for being with us today. And actually, I'll just start it off by saying, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do um, there at uh, St. Joseph Health and just some of your background. Sure. Well, uh, thanks, Dr. Thompson. I'm a uh, maternal fetal medicine doctor by training, but right now I do mainly uh, administrative uh, duties here in the Southern California region with our 11 ministries that that deliver and uh, help help organize for moms and babies and things of that nature. So a lot of quality improvement, a lot of uh, cost containment, a lot of uh, helping people uh, get through uh, various things. And obviously in the midst of the, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. My my role has been uh, to educate and help uh, help the uh, various uh, hospitals and ministries develop their protocols and things of that nature to deal with it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and for serving as our subject matter expert um, on all things women and COVID. So I'll start off with just a, an easy question about you know, what have you seen? So, you know, have you seen pregnant women, new mothers who've had the virus and what has your experience been with that? Yeah, I, I would say, and uh, we, we here in California, as you know, we, we, through our social distancing and things of that nature, flattened the curve. So, so we never reached the sort of uh, panic uh, numbers that they had on the East Coast and things of that nature. But having said that, we've also, uh, unfortunately, not seen the 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 uh, drop off yet. We're in sort of still the flat part of the curve, if you will. And uh, so, what that means is that we see a number of uh, women who have developed uh, symptoms during pregnancy and need uh, need uh, treatment. Uh, just a few that have had to come in the hospital. We we've, we've been very fortunate. We have not had 
a whole lot of uh, extremely sick moms that would have to go in the ICU. Um, we've also seen a number of uh, folks who did not know they had it and again, and through screening tests had positive tests uh, that we've had to deal with. And then of course, in our world, we have to, you know, we have two patients, right? So, or three or four, depending. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so we have to uh, be ready to, to help screen the baby and uh, protect the baby as well. So uh, it's a bit of a different spin than the, the adult doctors uh, deal with. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that's that's why I went into maternal fetal. It's it's definitely yeah. an interesting field. Fantastic. Thank you. And, you know, I, we take care of women as well here at the Children's Hospital in, uh, in Texas. And we've seen very similar things to what you're describing um, in terms of some asymptomatic folks. And we also have had very low numbers of those pregnant women who have ended up like in an ICU setting or um, yeah. actually very, very low numbers for that. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, pregnancy as a whole. Is it... Is there something in pregnant women, does this, do you have a higher chance of contracting, you know, the coronavirus? Does it matter how far along you are in pregnancy? You know, and, and you described your experience and, and our experience. And I, I think that agrees with the literature that uh, there isn't, uh, fortunately, knock on wood, um, unlike some things like varicella and mm -hmm. uh, influenza where you can get quite ill just because you're pregnant and have the infection, um, I wouldn't put COVID-19 in that category. And you know, the early data that came out of the few cases in in China showed that there were a few patients that would get extremely ill, but in general, they didn't see a lot. So I think what we're always trying to tell patients is, you know, the good news is is it's not gonna Pregnancy won't make it worse, but the bad news is it doesn't protect you either. So, uh, to a certain extent, uh, you, you know that you still have to worry about it, and and obviously we take special precautions, etc. Uh, but fortunately, it's been pretty well. And same experience. If you look at the effect on the baby, there there doesn't seem to be uh, so-called uh, transmission, you know, in utero. Um, if there's going to be transmission, it's it's much like we see with influenza and others where it's a respiratory spread after birth. And so that allows us to take precautions and things that that nature and reduce transmission to the baby. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. So if you're a pregnant woman and you're watching this and you're worried that you have COVID, what is it that you would suggest that they do? Well, obviously, they've had an exposure or they had any of the typical symptoms, you know, of, of the uh, loss of, of smell or uh, taste or cough or shortness of breath. Um, you know, telling pregnant women, call us when you when you have fatigue is uh, not doesn't work real well. Um, but but seriously, they have any symptoms or they've been around folks that they know to have it certainly should screened with testing just like we tell people who who don't have it and they certainly should consider you know quarantining themselves meaning don't go out and and co-mingle with anybody um, and so it's it's general guidance kind of like what the non-pregnant world is uh, um, but again we have the nuances of some of the some of the subtle symptoms 
can be so similar to pregnancy that it makes it a bit confusing. Yeah, that's I, I agree with that. So I've had a lot of questions just from even, you know, some of our patients and, you know, folks that are in our outpatient clinics that are pregnant that worry about the safety of hospitals and worry about, you know, is it still safe? Is it safe for me to come to the hospital to have my baby? Um, so what is it that you would say to those women? Well, the first thing to tell you is they're not alone. Yeah, that's uh, right. You know, I, I think for many, many weeks, uh, the staff was scared to come to the hospital, right? We, we didn't know a lot about the virus. Uh, we didn't know a lot about the transmission. Um, obviously, we all scrambled to get enough protective equipment, uh, et cetera. So in the early days of the pandemic, at least for us, it was really about controlling fear. Uh, and like you say, not just the patients, uh, but as well the, the staff. Um, today, you know, with, with enough protective equipment, with what, you know, the knowledge base we have on the virus, um, it, you know, it's it's made a hospital a very safe place. I always, my, my advice is you're asking me that and you're going to the grocery store, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, the, <laughs> the reality is you're, you're a lot safer in, in one of our labor and delivery units than, uh, than uh, folks would be typically doing a lot of lot of places they're they're going to for everyday life. So, um, having said all that, certainly uh, as you know, it's it's taken an effect. I mean, in the non-pregnant world, you know, there are people with heart attacks and strokes and all sorts of things that didn't come in soon enough. And so yeah. I, you know, I really try to encourage patients, um, have that conversation with your doctor or your midwife. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've used telemedicine a lot and I, I think you make more phone calls and, you, you know, there's lots of safe ways to have communication these days. And, uh, you know, if you are concerned or whatever, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, you should understand we're making it as safe as we can. Unfortunately, there's some side effects to that. Yeah. The other big controversy is, you know, for years, and I'm one of the guilty parties, we make sure you get all your family in on this and make sure they come see the baby and let's get this family started well. And then all of a sudden we're, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, we may let your husband or your significant other or whoever, your loved one, you want to have that one person come in with you, uh, but everybody else stays at home and, and watches on the iPad and, and looks at the pictures. So uh, that's been a real problem because, again, I think the expectation uh, most young women have today of having a baby is having the whole family involved. So, so again, uh, in our effort to make it safer. Now, having said that, you and I were talking just right before we went on. If you look at the experience in New York, the mother who was positive 60% of the time, the dad had uh, uh, positive for virus as well. So. So we do know it's it's all about reducing the number of people you're around to reduce the infection risk. And so um, we have to do these things. I agree. And you know, one of the things that I've really that I've really liked, you know, being part of the Providence, you know, family of hospitals is Providence has done a really good job of putting out um, a lot of things. And you know, the latest thing that I saw was, you know, the seven steps that hospitals are taking 
to make sure that you're safe, you know, when you come in. And to your point, I actually feel like I can confidently say that I feel like people are more safe coming into my hospital than going to the grocery store and exactly yeah. the thing that you, you and I were talking about. And so, you know, underscoring the stuff that we're doing in the hospitals with everything from screening to limiting visitors um, to absolutely making people adhere to masking, you know, policies while they're here. Um, you know, certainly we're taking a lot of precautions even on the floor. And so I actually worry much more about people once they go home um, than I do when they're actually inside the walls, you know. Of yeah, I, I do too, because again, obviously the, the natural thing is, right, everybody comes over to see the new baby yeah. and things of that nature. And again, yeah. uh, you know, the downside to that is unfortunately every, every person you're exposed to is, is potentially a risk. Yep, I agree. You know, what What about any other special precautions? Are there any uniquely special precautions that you're taking in the hospital that are unique um, for patients that are coming into contact with pregnant women? Well, again, similar, you know, uh, we, we follow all the CDC guidelines and, and different things on protective equipment and visitation, et cetera. I, I think the biggest spin in, in labor and delivery is what are the precautions you take with the baby after birth? In other words, uh, if they're uh, negative, then, then obviously, uh, you know, you don't have to worry. On the flip side, if they're positive, then you have to have a conversation with the mom about separating the baby so they don't transmit it. Or if they decide, we, we actually have, that's a real place for shared decision-making because yeah. What the data shows is actually the risk is not huge. Mm -hmm. uh, babies for whatever reason. Well, anybody under 20, um, yeah. you know, it's a great time to be a teenager. Yeah. Uh, but anybody that young, the, the risk of transmission and the risk of serious diseases is, is pretty low. Uh, but having said that, it's not zero. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, we have to have those conversations with our moms uh, if if we find out they're they're shedding uh, virus, yeah, I agree. And we've had we we're we're doing the same thing. I love that you mentioned shared decision making because that's something that we're really encouraging. Are those kind of conversations with the mom to talk about the risks and benefits in both directions? And there's certainly risks and benefits to either separating yourself from your baby or you know or not separating yourself. And so making sure that we're including the moms and significant others and making that decision. I'm always a big fan of, you know, shared decision-making. What have you seen? Are, are you having, um, I, I would say I'm, I'm split. I have about half of our cases that I feel like have chosen to keep the baby with them with precautions. And then about half that have chosen to, you know, do the two week, have someone else, you know, take care of them. Yeah. I would say here on the West coast, it's actually more choosing not to have separation okay, other great. than place the crib six foot away yeah. and, when they're handling the baby, put a mask on, wash the hands, wear a gown, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, and then of course, the the other question, the natural follow-up to that is what about breastfeeding? And uh, we, we know breastfeeding, you know, I think the, the folks, uh, the, you know, the powers that be uh, are pretty clear on that, that the risk of that is pretty low yeah. and the benefits are still pretty high and so, in that conversation, it really weighs towards still breastfeeding. But again, there are people, you know, you know it's an interesting uh, thing. There, there are people who absolutely, oh my gosh, if I gave my baby 
something, I couldn't stand that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm okay with not being around it. Uh, and then, of course, you have, have folks that, uh, bottom line is they don't, uh, you know, I mean, they've read enough or understand enough to say, gosh, it's a small risk and I just have to be near my baby. Yeah. So let's let's move a little bit the conversation and let's talk some about the baby. So, you know, we have a mom who comes in and she tests positive for COVID and then she has the delivery and that baby actually has to end up either in the NICU or in some of, you know, some type of special care nursery um, with that. What happens in that situation? So again, as, as we, I think, talked about, um, you know, the baby themselves is unlikely to come out with overt infection. Um, uh, all babies, regardless of their gestational age, would then be screened at 24 and 48 hours uh, with, with testing. And, and then if negative, obviously managed uh, that way. Um, I think the tricky thing is, and, and again, we, we talked earlier about this is actually uh, fairly uh, low low numbers, but, but obviously there are women who earlier in pregnancy, uh, either their water breaks or they go into premature labor or they're just so sick that we're really worried about them and, and deliver them. Uh, and so in those cases, especially with an extremely premature uh, baby, it's, it's the prematurity that's the big risk, actually, more, more so, I would say, than the infection. Uh, but clearly, it's, it's you know, it's, it's um, not good. And, and again, it's, you know, it's much like we were talking about with the mom. Then, then you run into, you know, again, in, in special care nurseries, we've really tried to incorporate the parents in the care and around and, yep. you know, we just can't can't do that. So I, I think it's interesting, our nurses, and I don't know for you guys back in, in Texas, but our nurses have, a number of them have gone out of their way to say, you know what, mom, dad, we're, we're here to take care for your baby. And we promise you we'll give them love and attention and yeah. everything we can do. And, and they have really stepped up to make that part of their job. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I feel like this question for us has been the hardest question, which is when you have a baby in the NICU, you know, by definition, those parents are going to be very, very worried. Um, and then you have a mom who's testing COVID positive. And obviously, we can't let that mom you know, into the NICU, you know, with, with other babies. Um, and so I agree with you. We've had a lot of our nursing staff step up. Um, I have never used so many iPads um, in my life uh, to make sure that, you know, family and friends could see what's going on. We do interestingly have, um, we've got some cameras at the children's hospital, NICU cameras. Mm -hmm. And um, so we have those already in our NICU where typically we use that for you know, other family members or, you know, so that someone's able to see their baby when they're not there. And we certainly, yeah. that has been a blessing for us to have something like that so that those moms are able to see those babies. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see more of that. We're, we're, mm -hmm. we're testing out certain cameras and different things. So in, in even in labor and even with people pushing and things of that nature, obviously camera angles are an issue. Uh, but there and in the mother baby units, try to get uh, folks. Uh, it's funny, uh, we, we actually had done that labor and delivery when like the dad's been deployed overseas yeah. or some other stuff. And um, it, it actually, I mean, it's not the same. I get that, yeah. but it's, 
it's definitely a lot of fun for you know the right people. Obviously, it's another shared decision making with yeah, with the, sure. the patient herself because she's the boss. She gets to decide. That's right. Is, is the bottom line. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we were talking some about babies. So if a mom takes, you know, a baby home, you know, irrespective of if she has tested positive or not, you know, what kind of symptoms? Are they different than the symptoms that she, you know, should be thinking about? Obviously, you can't ask your newborn if they can still smell um, right. and those kind of things. So what are the things that they should be looking for yeah, when they take a child home? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to your point, that's, I mean, you can't ask them if they're tired. You can't ask if the formula or the breast milk tastes the same, right? So, or they can't taste anything. So really you're down to what's their breathing, how irritable, uh, temperature, you know, all the, all the different things that babies do. And I, I think what most of our pediatricians say is you just got to be on the safe side. So if there's something funny going on, you know, you call it sooner rather rather than later. Um, again, for the most part, uh, not a lot of people have seen sick babies, and so the the good news is the risk is probably pretty small. But again, you know, if it's your baby, it's a hundred percent right. So, so you really have to be careful. Yeah, I agree with that. So. Um, I, I, I'm still a practicing pediatric hospitalist. So actually when I'm still on, on the weekends, I've actually been um, some of the one taking care of some of those babies, um, you know, to the, to the positive moms. And that's exactly the, the thing that we um, tell them. And the thing that's difficult, in, and this is difficult in all kinds of illnesses, not just COVID with babies is, you know, there's a reason that we have specific criteria that make us worry, you know, that babies are sick. And those are very nonspecific temperatures greater than 100.4, you know, and we just call it generalized fussiness. And, you know, if they're not feeding well, babies just have very nonspecific signs, you know, that they're not well. And so I think making sure that those folks stay in contact with their primary care docs and are, are really making sure, um, you know, even like you said, taking advantage of some of the telemedicine and things like that, that they can do um, to, to make sure that they don't need to bring, you know, that child yeah. in. Yeah, I think the message for the pediatricians in the, in the same way, I mean, we say it as, as obstetrician gynecologists, the only time we'll get mad is if you don't call. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. You know, in other words, you, you have to leave that expectation that, hey, guys, if you got a question, I'm worried, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because, um, you know, mothers know. The dads, yeah. not so much, but the mothers know. That's, that's my philosophy. I agree. And I, I used to I, I used to laugh in the residency that there was a particular nurse that we had that worked in our newborn nursery. And uh, when she would call us, she would say something very nonspecific like, Dr. Thompson, this baby just isn't looking right. And that was enough that we would come upstairs knowing yeah. that, <laughs> you know, so uh, they, they can have these very nonspecific signs that, you know, that can mean things. OK, so this is the question that all the mamas and all the mother-in-laws are out there. And, and they're like, okay, so you're not letting me in in the hospital, which we understand, but when is it okay for me to go? So I, my son is married to this wonderful woman and they've had a baby. So when is it that I, you know, can feel safe to go to the house and what precautions would you have those folks take as they go visit those babies at the house? Well, I, I'm not so sure there's any hard and fast answer to that one, right? I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you one thing. There's, well, I guess the better way to put it, there's no good answer, right? Yeah. So, it, I, I, I think that again, it, it depends on 
what's the risk factor that, that grandma has, right? In other words, uh, you know, the, the, the bottom line is uh, probably in this scenario, the bigger danger is to the grandmother, not to the, you know, the mother-in-law, because yeah. if she gets infected, she's much more likely to have symptomatic infection. She's more likely to get sick. And so if you think about it, you know, uh, it's how exposed was the mother and the dad and the baby, uh, it, you know, by being out and about and things of that nature. So. Again, I don't think there's any hard and fast answer. I, you know, unfortunately, obviously, if the mother or if the baby was under suspicion, then you got to wait a couple of weeks, right? At least, you know, so-called symptom-based. The same way we choose, you know, I, I think it's three days after the symptoms or ten days after the onset uh, of symptoms, uh, uh, you know, that you really can can feel pretty safe, but. But again, I you know I think that depends. If if grandma's got diabetes and hypertension, a bit a bit overweight and things of that nature, um, maybe maybe not. And yeah. um, you know it's it's a tough one. I agree, and I think that we've been encouraging that same same very things that we encourage some shared decision making. Um, you know, with the family, but making sure that you understand some of those specific dynamics within the family to make a good and informed decision. Um, you know, that, that what you want is we want at a month out for everyone to be able to get to enjoy, you know, good health and, and new babies. So um, I know that everyone feels like they need to see everyone immediately, but it's much more important that we're safe and, you know, keep everybody, you know, healthy. Um, this is a question that I think sometimes is, you know, dear to my heart um, in, in some of the things that we do. The thing that I have worried about some is, um, you know, moms that have are either pregnant and have decided, you know, to stay at home and or, you know, they've had a baby. And so they feel like, you know, that they need to stay in and, and keep the baby, you know, or themselves quarantined. And I've, I've seen a lot of just dialogue about making sure that we are calling out that we want to take care of the mental health, you know, of those of those moms. And I think this is I think it's hard enough to be quarantined. Um, and I certainly remember when I had both of my babies you know, without COVID, how nervous I was to, to take those out. And so I think it's the right inclination, you know, to want to stay in and, you know, stay at home for the orders. But anything that, that you would just, you know, call out on that specifically? Well, as you know, uh, in pregnancy, and particularly in the postpartum period, we're very worried about anxiety and depression uh, being exacerbated. Yeah. Uh, regardless of this going on. And obviously, with, it's not only the fear and all the separation and things mm -hmm. of that nature of the pandemic, but then you pile on top of that people worrying about jobs or people have gotten furloughed or laid off or things of that nature. Um, you know, my uh, colleague in mental health here tells us overall, um, uh, the Southern California suicide hotline that, that we have, yeah, the calls are up like 8,000%. Yeah. It's some amazing number of uh, people that are being stressed. So again, to your point, um, I, I think uh, isolating yourself and, and mm -hmm. doing some of these things, but really looking for the warning signs, of course, yeah. we should be uh, helping you screen yourself for uh, depressive symptoms and things of that nature. And you really, yeah, the take home message and all that is, is please ask good help. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's that sort of thing. I agree, and I, I just wanted to make sure that we called that out on this discussion um, about this because I, I certainly, if you're at home and you're watching us and um, and you're having symptoms or you're worried that you have symptoms, you know, of depression um, either pre or post your delivery, you know, please make sure that you call your OBGYN's office um, or some you know some place where you can um, get some help for those things. We know that that's a real struggle uh, during the middle of this. Well, Dr. Liguri, this has been super fun today to see you. Um, you he does great work uh, for us in the Women's and Children's Institute um, here at Providence. So I've had the privilege of getting to watch some of his work. I'm going to let you have one last anything else you would like to make sure you know you say or or anything about um, COVID and and pregnancy. You know, I, I'll go back to my comment. The only time we'll get mad is if you don't call. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this of all, I mean, that's true of all pregnancies, right? But I think during this time period, now's the time to have a relationship with your provider and your loved ones and just realize it's, it's hitting everybody. And, you know, it's, I always tell people, it's one thing to have an infection, one thing to have a uh, pregnancy, and it's altogether another thing to have both at the same time. So that's where we are. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Your expertise is so appreciated and thanks for taking time out of your day. Um, if you have joined us, thank you guys uh, for joining us and please continue to send in questions if you have questions um, or for sure, feel free to reach out to any of your providers um, during your pregnancy. So thank you guys so much and be blessed.